Learning happens everywhere all the time. Hey there and welcome to the Homeschool Success Podcast. I am your host, Cami Wanis, the Freedom Scholar. My experience as a veteran homeschool mom, former public high school teacher, and mentor to homeschool families everywhere, along with periodic guests, will help you to create the homeschool experience you always wanted and your family deserves. Homeschooling is a leap of faith that can cause doubts, overwhelm, and uncertainty while trying to keep love of learning high and balance life, work, and kids. Each episode is packed with the strategies, tips, activity ideas, and resources you need to ensure your kids get a great education, create close family relationships, become good leaders, and have tons of fun. You'll learn everything from scheduling, curriculum, routines, and homeschooling multiple ages to increasing love of learning and everything in between. This podcast is different from anything else out there by also focusing on the thinking shifts that are the key to homeschooling successfully. Whether you're new to homeschooling or a seasoned veteran, make sure to subscribe so you'll gain the practical strategies and confidence you need to develop a rich love of learning culture and environment that results in passionate, lifelong learners. More than ever before, leaders are needed who have a great education and who use their unique talents and gifts to make this world better. Join me on my mission to raise our next generation of leaders through ensuring your family has a supportive and inspiring homeschool journey. Homeschooling is learning through life. You got this. Hey everyone, welcome to Homeschool Success with Cami Wanis. And we have a special guest again today. We have Chris Remble joining us. I'm so excited. He last time we talked to him about homeschooling and homeschooling through K through 12, really his whole life and how it set him up for success in his business world, not just in corporate, but also in entrepreneurship. And he has multiple businesses and it's super fun to be able to talk to him today because he is also well-versed in AI, artificial intelligence. It's funny because I was posting about that earlier this week in the group and in our Facebook group. And it was hilarious because it was like, (laughs) what's AI? It looks funny. Like if you're not used to seeing it all the time, people are like, I thought you meant AL. What AI? You know? And so- What's who's Al? So it was really artificial intelligence is what we're talking about. And homeschoolers were definitely not always like, you know, up on the tech bandwagon. You know, we're not always we're not always on the front end of the uptick, if you will. And so that this is something I feel like is really important that I didn't know a lot about. I still don't know a lot about. And I feel like I'm so blessed because when Chris talked about, he actually, we met on an, in another Facebook group and he was talking about how he like had a course about AI for homeschoolers. And I was like, we need to talk, man, because I don't know anything about this and I'm open-minded. I would love to learn and just see what it's all about. I have a huge skeptic and have a lot of fear and trepidation around AI and what I've heard about it so far and just the possibilities of it. We're going to talk about that today too, but I know that 
what Chris's ideas are for AI and the usefulness of it and what his vision is, is so amazing. And I'm so all about it. I really am. And so I'm super excited to have him with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. And Chris, can you just tell us about your background a little bit in AI and how did you even come to start studying it? Hey, thanks for that introduction. So as far as my background with AI, I've always been involved with technology and um, code and just like hacking game devices and just jailbreaking iPhones, all that kind of stuff. It's like, what is technology capable of and what are the frontiers? I've always been exploring that um, regardless of uh, where I'm at in my education or business or career. It's, it's something that I've really been a part of for a long time. Just to give you an idea, I was one of the very few people that ever ordered a Google Glass, those head-mounted displays. I actually had one when they were released. And uh, it's not like um, I could really afford it. It was like my one of my biggest purchases that year. But um, same goes for a virtual reality. And uh, the iPod Touch, I couldn't have a cell phone when the iPhone came out. Uh, my parents uh, didn't allow it yet. But I got the iPod Touch, and that was the first thing like that. Um, I've always been an early adopter just because I wanted to see early on what the potentials are for a new technology. And so I've been into artificial intelligence for the same reasons since about 2018, I think, is when I started really getting into it, writing a little bit of code just to um, see what it can do, get it to recognize handwritten digits, uh, build a dog and cat identifier, uh, some of the basic um, like training things that you build when you're learning artificial intelligence. Those were the things that um, I built early on. And then <clears throat> right as I was like thinking, okay, well, what's the next step? What kind of AI should I build? Uh, OpenAI dropped ChatGPT, which was a improvement of their original language model um, GPT, which I'd used GPT-3 actually before ChatGPT came out. And I used it to make a children's book. I used it to write some code. I used it to animate some LEDs to make it look like a little car was alive. I put some LEDs in the car and a little computer chip in it. So I've really, um, I've been playing with AI for a long time. And we had our, there, there's just been such an explosion of development in the field that it's, it's like, it's like we went from the bronze age to John Deere tractors doing farming and like, in like six months. It's wild. It really is amazing. And it's changing so often. It like, it's unbelievable. And the more you keep hearing about it, you're like, and nobody likes, you know, most people don't like change. So we're like, oh my gosh, what's coming next? What's coming now? And so it's really, it's really interesting to be able to see how everybody's reacting to it. And I know I'm just like, well, we'll see. You know, my friend was, I remember when like a few months ago, my friend was really, she also homeschools and she's like, what's going to happen? These kids are never going to learn to write because they can always, you know, just look at whatever. And I'm like, you know, whether they learn to write now or in the future or whatever, they're going to have to learn to write. I mean, if they're going to do anything in the world, they're going to have to learn. So whether they have to learn it on their own later because they, you know, didn't utilize it in school or whatever, then, then that's the case. But also, I remember this happening in when I was teaching in public school. I remember this happening with, um, with, the, with just internet in general. 
I think it was when people started being able to just look up like papers online and you can just print out an essay, you know, for such and such, whatever, you know, and that was something for me as an English teacher that we always had to like, okay, this doesn't sound like a kid wrote, you know, like this kid wrote this or something. And then we'd have to like, look up the strain and see if we could, you know, if it was actually something that was plagiarized or not. And then what happened later, it didn't happen for several years, but after I stopped teaching, my husband started being able to use a software that they came out with where kids would just input their papers into the software and that's how they would turn it in. And the software would automatically search for strings that were suspect or whatnot. And so that was something I was like, you know, somebody's going to come up with something to be able to help us manage all of this, right? And be able to utilize it in a different way. But I love how you're using it now. And, and there's so many positive possibilities. So you already talked about some of them you know, and, and just playing around with it and what you're doing with it individually. But what do you think are our possibilities for AI just in our future in general, like the positive possibilities? We hear a lot about the negative ones, but what are the positive possibilities? Well, not very many people take me seriously with this, but when I, when I answer this question and I make a prediction, it's based on is based on years of research and understanding right. of not only AI, but computer scaling of psychology, of physics, of spirituality even. And I believe that we will either enter a post-scarcity world where everything is uh, done for us by machines effortlessly, um, or we will end up destroying ourselves. It's very much like I don't know if you've seen Oppenheimer yet. I just saw that over the weekend, but it's very much like the discovery of nuclear weapons. Like physics pointed towards nuclear weapons. It's not like we invented them. It's just as our knowledge grew, it became clear that this could be used in a very, very powerful way that altered the way that nation states, which just large groups of people could interact with each other and created this thing called mutually assured destruction. That mostly did away with war, actually. There is much less war. We had World War One and then World War II, and we would have continued having very massive conventional wars if the nuclear weapon was not discovered. There's a similar thing with uh, computer science where I actually played with the early algorithms um, back when I was writing some of the example code and building some of the example AIs. It could run on my computer. Like I could build something on my computer that could recognize handwritten digits and say, hey, this probably says with 89% probability this word or this letter or this number. Now, uh, just by the nature of scale, where we have put um, like computers into data centers just for efficiency reasons, it's called the cloud, but really it's just a big building with thousands of computers in it. Uh, we realize that, well, we could also use this level of compute to train the same algorithm that runs on Chris's desktop, but we could do it at a much larger scale and we could basically put the entirety of human knowledge into it as the training data. And so that is what has caused the uh, GPT-4 to be so interesting. And I think the most interesting thing about GPT-4 is the emergent abilities where, yeah, a language model, if you say something to it, a language model is chat GPT. It's something that you type to and it sends something back. Um, well, GPT-4 can do all kinds of things like it can reason, it has theory of mind, it can be creative, it can 
empathize. It can do all these things that normally we associate with human level intelligence. And this is going to fundamentally shape our understanding of not just the world going forward, but consciousness in general. And it's going to, it's going to be a watershed moment in our civilization's history. But as far as my belief in what happens, I believe for, for the skeptics out there who think, oh my goodness, this is a tool of the devil. Number one, they should know, I do believe in God. I do believe in, um, I do believe in doing the right thing for our fellow humans. And I also believe in human exceptionalism, which means that we are a undeniably incredible creature and possibly the reason that the universe exists. Uh, it's that's it, nearly impossible to answer that from our perspective as we are in a human body is to say, well, are we the reason the universe exists? I say, I think it's, it's possible. And I think if that is the case, then our manifest destiny is that we continue to do away with human suffering and, and continue the trend of reducing hunger and poverty and disease and conflict and violence as we have actually reduced it going back thousands of years uh, now is actually the best time to be alive from the perspective of like suffering. I think that AI will help us continue that trend. And the reason why is because it's going to cost pennies to have a machine do a chore that we find like annoying, like keeping our neighborhood clean or even cleaning up our house or getting the plastic out of the oceans or um, running, running things in a way that's like really inconvenient, but more uh, friendly to our environment and our fellow species here on the planet. AI is going to make that cheap and easy. And like, nobody will have to like get up early in the morning to do that. It will be um, putting a better world on autopilot. That's the good future possibility for AI. And as I'm sure you can imagine, there is a bad future possibility for AI, which is analogous perhaps to, um, like if nuclear war had broken out after the discovery of the nuclear weapon. Well, that's not the world that we live in. Um, perhaps that probability existed, but I think it's a decreasing probability at this point. We find ourselves at a similar juncture point in uh, major reality forks right now, where we're going to either go the, the good way for AI or the bad way for AI, and there's really no middle path. We have to go right. one or the other. And... Um, it, it keeps me up at night and gives me anxiety attacks sometimes, uh, just being so deep in this, uh, subject. But, um, I think that it's very important. This leads me to kind of my mission with my project here. I think it's very important that good people be empowered by incredibly powerful technology because we care about like the people here, we care about individual human rights. We care about personal freedom. We care about being able to homeschool our kids if we want to. We care about uh, being able to enjoy the fruits of our labors. We care about being able to have free speech. These are beautiful things that exist in uh, the United States at some level, and it would be good if they did not erode rapidly through uh, bad people who want to make it their way or the highway, which is a classic human behavior, is to impose their will on everybody else. If we don't, pick up this tool ourselves, it will be used against us and we will not be able to defend against it. Again, it goes back to what if you were a subsistence farmer in the Bronze Age and somebody showed up with John Deere's? Well, 
your farm would become part of their farm and uh, <laughs> you would be at their mercy and good graces for your food at that point. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned the Oppenheimer thing because my dad and, um, has always told us that one of his professors in Kansas um, at Kansas State was actually worked on the project and initially. And he said that and, and it actually mentions this in the trailer, too, I think, to the movie he was telling me that it's at the point at which they decided to try it. They did not know whether it was actually going to keep splitting atoms and it basically annihilate the entire earth <laughs> and they decide to go ahead and try it anyway and that's something that really freaks me out is that 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 idea and i think that's most of us who have trepidations about it is that they the idea that there's this these people doing things and playing with things that we don't know about or approve of or have any control over that definitely affect our lives and our kids future and that is something that i know elon you and i have talked about it before about elon musk and how he's done several interviews about just saying like hey this is here it's it's not coming it's here it's already here this technology and either we do what we want with it and make sure it goes in the right way or into a place where I think it maybe overwhelms or at least can mitigate some of that danger, or we just leave it up to, you know, the wills of the ne'er-do-wells, <laughs> ne you know? And so I think that's an interesting perspective because I really want to make sure that for us that we prepare our kids and, and to think about like, okay, maybe this isn't going to be something, I mean hearing you talk about it, it sounds like this is something that's we need to get used to. <laughs> we need to get used to real quick because it's advancing so quickly and, and becoming such a more prevalent. But we need to really prepare our kids to navigate this world in a positive way, to use this technology in a way that helps the world. And I love when you were talking about your vision, when we first talked, I was like, this is it. This is that. That's it right there. And there's so many great possibilities. I love what we're talking about. So there is apprehension for sure amongst a lot of us, but there, there is, how can we help parents? How can we help, like, how can it help us parents homeschool? How can it make our lives easier now? I think without necessarily putting that big of a strain on our, you know, personal trepidations, if you will. Like I've heard, we, I was just telling you, we heard somebody in our group earlier this week, our Facebook group, talk about how she uh, used chat GPT on the laptop that had no personal data on it. And she used it for making spelling tests and spelling lessons for the whole year. And she's like, that saved me hours and hours and hours of work. And I was like, wow, I never even thought of that. And she, you know, was doing it in a way that she felt, you know, was safe as well. So what kind of things do you think could help parents as homeschoolers, like help us save time, help us be more efficient, help us be more effective as homeschooling parents? Well, first of all, I would like to say that your phone is far more dangerous than ChatGPT. Uh, your phone listens to you, it, it tracks your movements, it knows where you're at, it knows your history. Uh, ChatGPT is not the threat, um, our mobile devices are. And I would encourage you to not be afraid of ChatGPT, even though it is kind of freaky that the box talks back to you when you say stuff to it. It's, it's okay. It's, it's just computer science, probably. But <laughs> <laughs> we, do know, we do know that our devices are definitely um, actively trying to addict us with the little 
a notification bells and the little red numbers next to our uh, comments, notifications, and all of that attacking our dopamine. Like our, our mobile devices are actively evil, I believe, uh, in some ways. <laughs> but as far as uh, using it, it is um, it's very useful for making lesson plans. It's very useful for um, it's imagine if there was a tireless person who would text back to you uh, and they were at any time and they were um, a top 10% expert in whatever you wanted to talk to them about. That's what it is. I mean, of course it can create lesson plans. Of course it can do schedules. Of course it can help you create curriculums. It's going to be very good at that. But for me, I've actually been using it to build um, web apps uh, with my wife and we've actually um, used used uh, GPT to build something that people are actually buying a lot of. And it's, it's for the like web design and branding community, the graphic design community. We made a tool for them uh, using AI and actually AI is built into it to help them do some of their work. But uh, it's a huge entrepreneurial opportunity right now, which is why I personally am excited about it. That's my main business. My main business is not my future homeschool project. I just am so uh, I, I so believe in the fork of our civilization being uh, imminent right now that I want to push on the good direction. And so that's why I started Future Homeschool. But my main business is just uh, it's using AI tools and code to make um, web apps that do useful things for people. It's tools that make what they used to do to uh, spend like an hour to do. It takes them 60 seconds now with our tool and people love it. It's, it's very useful. I love that. And I can see like even, you know, homeschool parents just like making their own web app to like help run their, run their yes. day or something. There's something called Code Interpreter in the chat GPT plus. So if you get the $20 a month subscription, which I think is the easiest $20 I spend every month. But if you get that, you get something called Code Interpreter, which is like having a coder on standby that you can say, hey, I want a web app that does this. And it will say, well, here's the HTML and JavaScript. And if it needs a Python code, it's like run this on your machine too. And then it builds a web app for you that uh, it's like, it's like your own development staff uh, there that like, except it runs like a thousand times faster than they would. And for uh, one, one millionth of the price. That's crazy. I can, I love that. It's um, it can definitely take out things that we feel like we don't have time to do, you know, and, and mm -hmm. we don't, we don't have time to, you know, make spelling lessons or, you know, go through and I can see it takes out a lot of the, um, a lot of the stress. It can take out a lot of the stress. And I know yeah. for something that you're doing in terms of our kids in with your course and helping kids learn and you're playing around with different things and giving them different ideas. What are some of the ideas, ways that if our kids were using AI that they could use to create and innovate. And I think those are like we talked about last podcast is really creative skills that are necessary for them in the future is being able to innovate and be creative and, 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 you know, critical thinking, and then also, you know, problem solving, those are all skills that are necessary. So how can they, what kinds of things can they do with, with using AI at home? It was really interesting because my course is a recorded course, but I did a, a live version of the first eight lessons of it. I post a new lesson every week. I think it's up to 13 lessons now or something, but I did a live version of the first eight lessons and I just wanted to see how the kids would use it. 
and they're very, very creative. Like I was not disappointed at all. I think I had eight students in that uh, live live course, and it went over eight weeks over, um, I think it was uh, June and July, basically. And they ended up making some really cool stuff. They made a choose your own adventure game with GPT. Some of them did. Other ones made uh, books and stories with illustrations and still other ones used it to just explore their most interested topic. Like one kid was very much into um, aerospace and uh, aircraft design, and he was using it to come up with new kinds of airplanes and brainstorm the possibilities with that. So what it does is it enables you to follow an area of your curiosity and um, build things in that area and also learn things about it in a way that the internet used to be pretty good at, but now it seems kind of broken at. seems like most of the time when I look up things, say on Google or something, uh, other search engines, it just leads me to something that's been optimized to give me ads and not even necessarily help me learn more about what I was trying to learn about. And it, uh, the only other option is to like get it from sources like the news media or like like Washington Post or New York Times, they'll sometimes have answers in the results and I'll go there and I know that that's coming from a slant, uh, slanted perspective, or I'll go to Wikipedia and that's going to have to come from, it's usually pretty good on Wikipedia information is, but it does certainly have a, a flavor of the official version of things. And with GPT, when I ask a question to it, it will it is actually very good at being unbiased in its answer. It's, it's much better than it was when it was initially released, when it did have some bias in it. Now it's like, here's information. And it's just no ads to wade through, no multiple sites to click. Um, it's just so much more powerful and useful of a tool. So um, the kids that used it in my class, they, they are now lifelong users of it just because it was so useful for them. And it didn't have all this junk getting in the way between them and the path of curiosity that they were exploring. I love that using it in their interests. And, and that's something that my husband does a lot in middle school because he teaches like STEM and Lego robotics and he has them create stuff mm -hmm. like, okay, use the Legos to create an invention, something, something practical that people need. And yes. so they come up with all kinds of crazy things and they have to like, you know, say why, you know, how this is going to help people and why it's needed and things like that. And so it's really interesting to see what they come up with, that they just follow their creative juices in whatever they're interested. If they're interested in skateboarding, then they're going to come up with like the coolest skate park that allows you or the skateboard that, you know, hooks your feet onto it and like jets you around or, you know, whatever does all the tricks for you or something like that. Like something super cool, you know, that they're really interested in. They can really dream in that way. And that's how everything in this world has been created. Really. It's through somebody having some kind of like, well, what if we could do this? You know, what if it's, it would, it would work this way. And you brought up something I think that uh, we've talked about briefly before, but, uh, and this is not something we talked about previously in the questions I sent you, but but where does this all come from? So for me, when I think about it, I'm thinking of, okay, but somebody's putting this information in there. And I know we talked about earlier that, yeah, and you just talked about there's, there was some bias to it and some things, you know, when you look up this and I've heard other people and other places and other media say, when you look up this, this is what comes up. It's not real. You know, it's not the truth. It's this, this, this thing. So where does that come from and who decides and how does that work out? I'm, I'm really curious about that. 
That's one of the biggest problems with uh, large language model architecture is we have no idea why it works. We just know it does. Much like the neurons in our brain, it's actually built on the same architecture as uh, a brain. It's built in a way that literally the things inside of the language model are called neurons. And we don't know why it responds the way it does, but we do know that there is a filtering layer that can be put on top of it that kind of um, keeps it from saying dangerous stuff. Because frankly, that's one of the biggest concerns with AI is it literally can say dangerous things. Some information is dangerous. For example, it takes a very high amount of skill to uh, engineer a pathogen like a disease right now. With AI, one of the biggest concerns for it is that it would make that very easy. And so just somebody who would never be able to get their hands on the information or the skill to be able to design something that could uh, make a lot of people very sick um, now could just use an AI to do that. So there has to be the safety layer on top. And that's where the human decisions get made. And these get built generally in uh, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley has traditionally a very specific set of political beliefs. And so sometimes that gets baked in there and sometimes uh, you see that. There's also a thing that um, language models do that uh, is actually being fixed right now with the new generations. We won't really see them for probably six months or so, but right now it does something called hallucinate. And that's where the language model has to say something. It has to give you an answer just because of the way it's programmed. And so it'll just give you an answer that sounds totally confident and it's like made up stuff. It's not even real. It's called hallucination. And I would say that maybe, maybe about five to 10% of the responses that I get out of the AI are hallucinations. Sometimes even it will make stuff up about the code that we wrote together, like me and the AI wrote. And it's like, yeah, that's this part. And it does this. And it's like, no, you made that up. Here's what's really happening. And just knowing that when you're using AI is it's half the battle. I mean, when you use the internet, you expect the people who pay for the web hosting and the people who, um, make the things that are friendly to the advertisers, they're going to have their own set of beliefs and intentions and purposes too. I just think it's a little bit more pure with an, uh, a language model because there's, there's fewer interests going on. It's easier to, it's easier to correct that stuff out mentally. It's not like actively evil most of the time. Like it seems like the internet is actively evil a lot of the time. That's a good point. I think that's, you know, and that everybody needs to view things through the lens of critical thinking and through yes. the lens of no matter what we are doing. And that's a great lesson for our kids, no matter what you read. I know for um, my students in in school, they used to think if it was in a book, then it was true. Mm -hmm. And, and I often would tell them that like, just cause it's written in a book and somebody published it doesn't mean that it's true. There's a lot of things that have been published in the past that are not good and not true. Yes. So, and, and in right now, you know, there's a lot of things being published that you're like, what? And I think that's such a big skill. That's something that my son comes to all the time and he reads stuff and he goes, you know, I like what they said here, mommy, but I don't, this part, I'm not so, I don't really agree with them on this. And this is what we want our kids to do. And so yes. navigating that through, and I think if we can do that and teach our kids that, then it becomes less of a freaky thing. Because when you tell me that like a, a human is putting a filter layer on what they consider dangerous and what they don't consider dangerous. I'm like, dee, 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 my red flags go up, you know? And I'm like, who exactly are the people that are determining, that? you know? But then 
just like everything else, somebody is always determining that for everything. So I think that's a really good point is that we need to teach our kids to be critical thinkers and to be discerning in what they're reading, what they're listening to, what they're watching, and when they're interacting with technology. And just just taking them out of it completely and not teaching them about that is not doing them any service. I think that's a really good point. And I love what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing with your courses. What is it? What is it about? And your your future homeschool course for kids and who is it aimed for really? The purpose of future homeschool is to help uh, homeschooled high schoolers pick up the new tools of artificial intelligence, understand where they came from, how they were built, how to use them, and what their strengths and weaknesses are. It's also very much a entrepreneurial uh, slanted course because I myself can come from entrepreneurship. I am very much in favor of individual empowerment and freedom. So that's kind of what the vibe that the course is built around. It's like, hey, you can use these tools to make awesome stuff that you creatively think of, and you can write your own ticket in life if you pick these tools up and use them. Because it used to take years and years of training and computer code uh, or any other, like, relevant thing for running a business. And now you have these tools where basically you, you are the CEO and the tools are the employees and you can build whatever you want to. It, it's deeply empowering. And so most of the lessons, other than the foundational ones where we talk about like how a large language model like ChatGPT is built or how MidJourney, the image generator works and how to get it to give you images for your projects or any of the other AI tools that we use as well. Once we learn the basics of how those were built, what their strengths and weaknesses are, it's more about, hey, let's build projects. So whatever I'm working on that week, I will think of something during the week of like, oh my goodness, I need to make a lesson about this. Um, like the last one, I think it was, it was how to build GPT into whatever project you have. So if you are building an app or a game or a website, how to actually send commands and receive responses back from GPT itself outside of this chat GPT because I was doing that with my wife's project and that was what that lesson was. So that's basically what I do every week is build in something that I learned myself. It's like, Hey, you should learn this. And I, I approach it from a, from a very accessible perspective. So like one of the kids in the live class, she was 10. She's a super smart 10 year old, but she kept up. There was nothing that she didn't understand. And then I have adult friends that are going through my class that are like, this is just as relevant for me as it is. I was going to say the same schooler. thing just right now. I was so, like, I think I need all that. I don't even know where. Yeah. So I've actually started considering um, just like removing the, the, um, like the, this is for high schoolers language out of it. Right. But I mean, on the internet, you have to know you're talking to somebody. Right. right. It's like, hey, you would be a good fit for this knowledge. Otherwise, you're just saying, I can tell you about AI and that's not really a thing. So um, for me, it's, it's about empowering people that I think have a high chance of being creative, of being ethical, of doing good stuff with it, of having a heart full of love for their fellow humans. It's that person that I want to empower. And I thought back to my homeschooling days and just the people that I know that are homeschooling now. And I was just like, this is probably the group that I'm going to try to empower with this. I think that it's important that wise, smart people have this right now. I don't need it to uh, pay my bills. I don't need it to um, like 
<laughs> put electricity in the Tesla. This is a side project that I think is just useful. I, I think that AI will eventually be the reason that things are very inexpensive and the cost of living goes down and the, uh, the um, standard of living goes way up. But uh, I think that we get there by putting these tools in the hands of just good people. I love that. And that is initially when we first talked, I was like, man, this is perfect. Exactly. Exactly. What I'm always saying is that homeschooling is the way to be able to manifest like a great people and raise up great people and to use their gifts and talents in this world to make this world better. And AI is just a tool for them to be able to use to do that with their gifts and talents. And I love that. And as you're talking, my actually, before we were talking, my son comes in and he's like, he's like, can I just stand against the wall and listen? <laughs> Like, because he's always trying to convince me, mommy, AI is there's great things and you can do da da da, and you can do this. And, and this is what's going to happen. And this is what this article is saying. And he's reading articles about it and he's knowing that it's out there. And, and I'm like, yeah, but I've seen the movie and you know, I've, I've seen iRobot, you know, like the whole, just, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't know. Maybe, you know. But that's so funny. And I think that's something that our kids are really interested in because that's just part of their world and it's really becoming more and more every day. So I think the best that we can do is really educate ourselves about it and then also teach that critical thinking that we were talking about as well. And for me, knowing that thinking, yeah, I need to take your course. I know he's super excited to get started with it. And he's, he's, I'm like, yeah, I need to listen too, because I really, I don't even know. And so that's something my, my last question to you is what, so if we want to get started, like if we don't know nothing, anything, we don't know the world of AI at all, which is hello here. How do we like start navigating that? I know you can just pull up chat GPT and like type in something, but is that where the, the situation starts? Like, where do we, how do we start using it practically for us? Or learning about it. Um, think this back to course. <laughs> think, think back to like when you first picked up an iPhone. Like it was intuitive. Like there are chimpanzees that you give them a smartphone and they immediately know how to use it. Um, AI is very much the same way. It's removing more and more of the unnaturalness of using a computer and accessing um, the intelligence of our civilization, it's removing barriers. So that, that becomes more and more effortless for us. So there's not like a lot of training other than just picking up the tools and using them. Playing with it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like Stuart Brand, uh, he was the founder of the whole earth catalog. And that was uh, kind of a cultural, cultural list of things before the internet that were tools that you could pick up and use and make your life better. Um, and he had a cool saying, you can't change people's behavior but you can give them tools and the way that they use tools will change the way that civilization goes. So that's why I think that the good people need the tools in their hands, because I'm going to tell you right now, the bad people are going to pick up these tools and whack other people with it. And we need to uh, just for the sake of balance and in, in our world, have good people using them too. And uh, I, I don't think that I'm the only person that can help ensure that I'm just, um, being used by the powers that be to tell you, hey, there's something, something really useful now. Pick it up. Use it for yourself. Use it for your own good purposes and build some cool things with it. Make your life better. Make your neighbor's life better and uh, just pick it up and try it out. That's the best recommendation I have. You know, I love that. And I, I, I love the, um, you know, just the idea that 
we can just start playing with some of this and it's not, you know, just like anything else, any new technology that's come out, we can just start playing with it and see, you know, to our own comfort or level, but definitely thinking about the way that the future holds for us in terms of, of any technology is, is, is balancing that power. And I love that you said that is really balancing the good people and let's put more good people in it, right? Let's put more good people than the bad. And let's have, let's have that really focus on, on the future in a positive manner. And so, so I'm just really grateful that you've joined us today because I feel like your your mission and your purpose in that in this idea is really something that we need to hear and the idea that you know we need to participate in the goodness of it. We can't just stick our heads in the sand and just wait for things to happen and somebody else to come pick it up because who knows who's going to pick it up. I know for me when I was in high school I heard this saying that just really resonated with me. I've always been this way is just that if you don't to if what oh gosh now I can't remember the whole thing but if you don't um if you don't actively participate in your life someone else who may be less worthy or less capable than you will have exercise the power over you and so that is really something I feel like we need to take as homeschoolers we're already taking control of our kids education and what they're learning and how they're learning it but then also taking control of technology is really important as well and so I really really appreciate this because I feel like this is a conversation that needs to keep happening and needs to keep going and so as you guys are coming up with different ideas and stuff let us know about that we really want to hear what you guys are doing with your kids and what's going on because this is uh, this is an important conversation. And um, I really love Chris. Thank you for bringing it down to a level that for me, I, absolutely, I can, it demystifies it for me. And it really brings uh, practicality in terms of, hey, we've all been there before. This is something that's, it is new and it's, it, it, it's definitely uncharted, but it is also we've had this kind of situation in the past and we've, we definitely used it in, in a good way. So I have faith that that's going to happen. And I really appreciate everything you're doing with your, um, with, with our youth and being in inspiration in that way with both your example and your teaching. And I can't wait to get started and learn more about it. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you again. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. And just for you, if you're listening, I would recommend being a participant and not a spectator at this point, as far as the world of artificial intelligence goes, because it's going to take our whole culture pushing on the right direction here. Um, it will eventually not be optional to be a um, spectator with this technology, but if you become a participant early, you get to shape its development. When I think back to like seeing the musical Hamilton or watching Oppenheimer or reading the book about Steve Jobs, like, oh my goodness, how cool it would have been to be at the ground floor when this new powerful thing was uh, coming into the world. Like we have that now and it's perhaps the most powerful thing we've ever done as a species. I completely agree. And you just gave me chills right there mentioning, you know, the mentioning the founders and and it is it is that level. And I feel like we're there in not just technology, but in our everyday. And that's what I advocate for is just really like knowing what's around you and knowing all that. And this is part of it. But definitely I love that. Oh my gosh, I'm so loving where you're at right now. So um, please definitely make sure that you look up future homeschool. And if you have kids in middle school or above, it's definitely something I think that's your target audience there. But and above like adults. (laughs) 
also work as well. So thank you so much again, and I really appreciate it. And if you have any uh, questions or comments for Chris, definitely let us know because he can definitely help you guys out. All right. I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Chris, for joining us again, and we will see you next week. Futurehomeschool.com. Thanks for having me, Cammie. If you're loving this information and want to connect with Cammie live, Join our Facebook group, the Freedom Scholar Homeschooling Community. Every Thursday in Live with Cami, you can get more great homeschool tips, how-tos, and resources, and get your questions answered. And subscribe to our newsletter to get your free ebook, Creating Educational Harmony in Your Home. See show notes for the links. Hope to see you live. This is an informational podcast. The information presented in each episode is the most recent and honest to the best of the presenter's ability. Results are not guaranteed. This podcast aims to educate and there are no guarantees of results implied. Listeners are encouraged to seek out and meet their local homeschool requirements. Any products, websites, and company names mentioned in this podcast are their respective owner's trademarks or copyright properties. The presenter is not associated or affiliated with them in any way unless otherwise stated. Nor does the referred product, website, or company necessarily sponsor, endorse, or approve this podcast. We hope you enjoy and find value in each episode. This content is copyrighted and not authorized for reproduction.